0: Episode 5, Put on Your Oxygen Mask First. Hey everybody, welcome to Episode 5 of The John Becker Show. I'm John and I'm glad you're here today. I hope all is well in your world. I hope you're hitting your goals, clicking on all cylinders, and that you're just having a great day. This episode of The John Becker Show is being brought to you by our first ever sponsor, Crown Media Group. If your website needs a makeover, head over to my friends at www.crownmediagroup.com. They are absolutely the best. This is episode number five, Put On Your Oxygen Mask First. Now, if you've ever flown in an airplane, you probably have heard the flight attendant tell you this when they're going through the pre-flight safety instructions. And if you ever find yourself in the unfortunate position of having those oxygen masks drop down in front of your face because of some kind of onboard emergency, you need to put your mask on first before you help those people around you. Now, as a parent, this doesn't seem to make sense. If you're flying with your kids, especially little kids, your natural instinct is to help them before you help yourself. But here's the reality, folks. If you try to help them before you get your own mask on, you might not have enough time to save yourself. And if you can't save yourself, you're less likely to be able to save your kids. So what's my point? It's simple. Before you can sufficiently take care of other people in this world, you need to take care of yourself first. Our quote of the week comes from Bill George. He is the author of the book, True North, Discover Your Authentic Leadership. And Bill George says, the hardest person you will ever have to lead is yourself. One of my favorite authors is John C. Maxwell, and he echoes that sentiment from Bill George. When Maxwell was asked about his greatest challenge as a leader, his response was, leading myself has always been my greatest challenge as a leader. So let's talk a little bit about self-leadership. What is self-leadership and what does that look like? Well, as I was preparing for this podcast, I read a fantastic blog simply called What is Self-Leadership by a guy named Andrew Bryant. Andrew Bryant. And I'm going to link that blog in the show notes. I'm going to be drawing heavily from his blog for today's show because it was so good. So when we talk about self-leadership, I think we need to get a definition of that. But before we can define self-leadership, let's begin with a common definition of leadership. So when I talk about leadership, uh, we know it when we see it, but we want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So here's how I define leadership. Leadership is the process by which someone influences others to achieve a set of objectives. Let me read that again. Leadership is the process by which someone influences others to achieve a set of objectives. So for example, when I have led teams of people, I would be influencing that team to achieve some goal or objective. It could be my own personal objective or it could be an objective or set of objectives laid out by my employer or the organization I might be volunteering for. A great example of that would be when I was in charge of vacation Bible school at my church. I had an entire team of people that I was leading, and of course our objective was to put on this event that would teach the children of our church about God. I also led a softball team. I did that for about five years, coaching my daughters in softball, and of course our objective was to win. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't always successful in leading us to accomplish that objective, But my primary objective was not to win. My primary objective was to teach the girls how to be good sports. And I think we managed to accomplish that pretty well. So then what is self-leadership? Self-leadership is the process by which you influence yourself to achieve your objectives. Again, self-leadership is the process by which you influence yourself to achieve your objective. Now, we all have objectives that we want to achieve. Often those objectives are things that we put forth for our family or in our workplace. But too often we neglect ourselves. We don't focus on things that we can do for ourselves. And if we aren't taking care of ourselves, it's going to be very difficult to take care of and serve others. Let's talk about the components of that statement. Self-leadership is the process by which you influence yourself to achieve your objectives. First of all, we need to have objectives. We need to set goals for ourselves. We need to be going after something. If our entire life is spent trying to accomplish other people's objectives, that makes for a very lonely, sad life. So we need to set goals for ourselves. And of course, if we're setting goals, we want to achieve them. So how do we achieve goals? How do we achieve our objectives? Well, it's by exerting influence, in this case, over ourselves. Self-leadership sounds an awful lot like self-discipline. And people will turn away from that because they don't feel like they have self-discipline. I've been in this boat much of my life. As I've shared in previous episodes, I used to weigh more than 350 pounds. And I would binge eat anything you put in front of me. And I felt like I had no self-discipline. But here's the reality. I would get up every day and go to work, even when I didn't like my job. I had the discipline to do that because I knew that I needed to make money so that we would have a house to live in and food to eat and things like that. So I did have self-discipline. I just didn't have it in the areas that I wanted to have it in, like when it came to my food and things like that. And as I thought about this and this idea of saying, well, I'm just not self-disciplined enough, I've come to recognize that that lack of self-discipline is a symptom of the low self-esteem that I've struggled with my entire life. I've always been one of those kids who was bullied and picked on. um, And I had this self-esteem issue where I felt like I'm not worthy Of your positive words or I'm not good enough to do this or that. I felt like I didn't deserve good things or nice things. I would see things that other people got and thought they deserved them, but I certainly didn't. So I figured, why bother? It was all tied into my self-esteem. And you know what? I still struggle with those feelings sometimes. I still struggle with feeling like I'm not good enough or worthy enough. I was just talking to my wife about this the other day, that I often don't feel like I deserve to have a fantastic wife and great kids and a nice house to live in and a good job. But the reality is, is that God has blessed me with those things. And if God thinks I'm worthy and God thinks I'm quote unquote good enough, then who am I to argue with God? So I've got a uh little math problem that I'm going to share with you guys because I've decided that I am tired of tolerating those feelings of unworthiness. And I am not going to tolerate them anymore. So here comes a math problem. I have decided that I'm going to live to be at least 81 years old. Now, I know that, you know, God might have a different plan for me. I could, uh, I could drop dead tomorrow. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But I've decided that I want to live to be 81 years old at least. My own father passed away a few years ago at the age of 80. If I could make it to uh, 80 or 81, especially given the fact that most of my life I have been morbidly obese, if I can get healthy enough that I can live to be 81 years old, I will have accomplished a great thing. I'm currently uh, 55. That means that I have lived... Two-thirds of my life. If I make it to 81, I'll have lived about two-thirds of my life, meaning I have a third of my life left. Are you with me? Fractions, folks. We're doing fractions. I want to live the last third of my life twice as fulfilled as I did the first two-thirds of my life. Did you follow that? I want to live the last one-third of my life twice as fulfilled as I did the first two-thirds of my life. So now I can rationalize that I have half of my life left instead of just a third. Because if I've already lived two-thirds of my life, and I live the last third twice as fulfilled as the first third, two times a third equals two-thirds. Did you you follow that? I don't know if you did or not. It made sense in my mathematical mind, and I've probably left some of you uh, spinning in your minds about that. But trust me, two times a third equals two-thirds, and I'm going to live my life to the fullest for the rest of it you know why it's very simple folks i am worthy i am worthy of good things i am worthy of nice things i am worthy of a fantastic wife i am worthy of great kids and i'm not going to tolerate this unsatisfying life anymore I'm not done yet. I still have things that I want to accomplish. I still have objectives that I want to achieve. And I am not going to look back on my life when I'm in my 80s and feel regret. I'm not going to do it. Who's with me? If you are out there and you are living a life of regret right now, it is not too late. We can take leadership of our own lives and we can achieve the objectives that we want to accomplish. So, How do we lead ourselves? Well, according to Bryant, there are three components of effective self-leadership. The first one is self-awareness. The second one is self-confidence. And the third one is self-efficacy. Self-awareness, self-confidence, and self-efficacy. And I'm going to go over those right now. First of all, self-awareness. Self-awareness is about knowing who you are, what are your intentions, and what are your values. It's also about knowing what or who can push your buttons and derail you. So, as I was reading his article, I started thinking, what are my own intentions and values? And I came up with a very simple statement My values are to love God, love my family, and love others in that order. And my intention is to serve others in that order as well. I intend to serve God. I'm going to serve my family, and I'm going to serve others. Now, what are some of the things that get in the way? What are some of the things that derail me from doing those things? Well, the first thing that really throws me for a loop is any time that Kate and I are out of sync. And when that happens, I find it really hard to focus on serving others. It's very difficult. Another thing that derails me is when I start to wallow in self-doubt. When I start being afraid, when I start asking myself, can I really accomplish this? When I start thinking to myself, am I really going to be able to get under 250 pounds by October 5th so that I can jump out of an airplane? When I start wallowing in self-doubt, I get afraid and I don't accomplish things. And the third thing that derails me is kind of a minor thing, but some of you out there will be able to relate to it. Anytime that the Chicago Cubs or the Chicago Bears are losing, I get completely derailed. I am too emotionally invested in my sports teams, and when they are not doing well, I can easily get thrown off my path. The second step in effective self-leadership is self-confidence. And of course, self-confidence comes from knowing what our own strengths and abilities are. As we take actions and develop various skills, we become more confident in those skills and abilities. So we need to ask ourselves what our strengths and abilities are. Now, for me, uh, one of my strengths is that I'm highly relational. I uh, get along well with people. Whenever I meet new people, their first instinct is to tend to like me. Uh, Often people will seek me out and talk to me and ask me for advice and things like that. Another thing that I'm pretty good at, although I am working to get better, is that I'm a decent communicator. That comes with being a good teacher I'm able to communicate concepts and ideas well. And again, as I use these strengths and abilities more and more, I gain the confidence I need to lead myself well. The third step in effective self-leadership, again, is self-efficacy. And some of you might not be familiar with that idea. Self-efficacy is the belief that we can handle whatever comes our way. Some people call it resilience or grit. It means that we can take the feedback that we receive, whether it's positive, which is always good, or even negative, and then we can accept that feedback and we can adjust and move ahead. Self-efficacy allows us to be more creative and innovative. Now, this is a hard one for me. First of all, I've always been a little bit thin-skinned. No one likes to receive criticism, but uh, I always take things a little more personally than I should. Uh, an area of my life that I really had to learn this uh, and be able to accept feedback was when I published my book. Now, anytime you write a book, as I learned, and put it out there to be uh, edited, you're going to get criticism. You're going to get feedback that is sometimes hard to take. And I experienced this for um, on a couple of fronts. First of all, I actually hired my son and my future daughter-in-law to be editors on my book, in addition to a family friend who was the chief editor. But anyway, my son and daughter-in-law are graduates with English degrees. They are very good at the written word. They know what sounds good. They know what doesn't sound good. And so when I gave my manuscript to my son and asked him to edit it and then pass it on to his fiance, I had to be willing to allow my 20-year-old son, to criticize my writing. And that wasn't necessarily easy because, first of all, none of us want to be criticized or have our words changed around. But second of all, when it's someone whose diapers you have changed, it can uh, be a little bit harder to accept. But I have learned one thing about my son Jason, and that is that he is an exceptional writer, and he is a very critical writer. And I mean that in a positive sense. He knows what sounds good. He knows what doesn't sound good. And, of course, he wanted me to sound as good as I possibly could in my book. And so he was ruthless in a positive way when it came to editing my book. And I learned to deal with that. In fact, the first couple times I think that he gave me feedback, he even said, he was almost apologetic about it. And I told him, I said, nope, I need you to be as Uh, ruthless on this as you need to be in order for this book to sound good. And uh, to be honest, I've gotten a lot of very positive feedback on my book. And a huge amount of that credit goes to my son, Jason, his wife, Leanne, and my very good family friend, Christine, who all did an exceptional job editing my book. Another area in which I need to uh, be thick skinned and receive constructive feedback so that I can uh, accept it and make adjustments is in creating this podcast. I know this is going to be hard to believe, but not everyone out there hangs on the pearls of wisdom that are dripping from my mouth. Uh, In fact, when I listen to the podcast myself, sometimes I wonder why anyone would listen. I have to uh, Sometimes just accept the fact I'm going to make mistakes. In fact, in my very first podcast, I made a couple of what my son Jason called verbal typos. I think that's a great analogy, by the way. Verbal typos. I misused a word. I misused a number. And I just didn't feel like going back and trying to edit it out because it would have been fairly complicated. So I had to be okay with the fact that people knew what I meant even though I spoke incorrectly. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of delivering a keynote speech at Manchester University in Manchester, Indiana. And can you believe that there were actually faculty members, professional college instructors in the room who were sitting in the audience texting on their phones while I was speaking? I mean, I was shocked. How could they not just be riveted by the wisdom that I was spewing forth from my mouth? And of course, that's reality, folks. We have to uh, be willing to accept feedback and if somebody is sitting there texting on their phone while you're speaking, that's a form of feedback and I have to learn to be okay with that. I am learning to be okay with that and I will handle it and I will move on. I just want to remind you that self-awareness, self-confidence, and self-efficacy are three critical components of being an effective self-leader. So what does this self-leadership thing look like to me? Well, in order to uh, tell you where I'm going, to tell you how I want to lead myself well in the future, I've decided to share some of my goals for next year, some of my goals for 2020. So I'm going to be a little bit transparent here. I'm going to put some information out there that, uh, that is a challenge to myself, but I want to do that so that I can be accountable to you. I'm going to share some personal goals And some uh, professional goals. So, the first thing I'm going to do is share something personal that I'd like to accomplish next year. Uh, I've talked quite a bit about the fact that I want to go skydiving, and I'm going to be doing that in a few weeks. I'd like to continue to up my adventure game in 2020. And if I like skydiving, maybe I'll do it some more. But a couple things that I've put on my uh, bucket list for 2020 are that I would like to go zip lining. I have some family members who have gone zip lining, including my wife, by the way. My wife, Kate, has gone zip lining and she absolutely loved it. I think she would be willing to do it again. And I think it would be cool to go zip lining with her. It would be something that I'm doing for the first time that she's already done. And I think she would think that's neat too. So I'm hoping to do some zip lining in 2020. I would also love to go scuba diving for the first time, something I've never done before, but I've always wanted to. And uh, so I've got some friends who are uh, certified scuba scuba divers, and I'm hoping that maybe I can do that in 2020. From a health perspective, uh, I've set a goal, and I haven't shared it with anybody yet. You are the first to hear it. But I have decided to set a goal that in 2020, I would like to get down to 195 pounds. 195 pounds. Now, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot three, and I'm a pretty big bone structure. And for those of you who know me and have heard my story, I used to weigh over 350 pounds. So this idea of getting down to 195 pounds is um, a bigger stretch than I ever expected. When I first started on my weight loss journey, all of the medical charts told me that I should weigh in the neighborhood of 225 pounds. Now I look at these medical charts years later and they say I should weigh between 175 and 200 pounds. So they keep moving the target on me. But in 2020, I've decided I want to get down to 195 pounds. Now, do I have the self-awareness, the self-confidence and the self-efficacy to accomplish this? Am I going to be able to uh, lead myself well to accomplish this? Yes, I absolutely am. I've been thinking about it a lot. From a self-awareness perspective, uh, my values and intentions, as I shared, are to love and serve God, my family, and others. So I want to serve God by honoring his temple, which is my body. I want to repair the damage that I have done to my body with these many decades of obesity. I want to fix myself and so that I'm healthy and so that I can help inspire other people. I want to serve my family by getting healthy so that I can live longer, so that I can be the grandpa that my grandkids need, and I can be the parent that my, that my sons and daughters need. And then, of course, I want to serve other people by motivating them to overcome their own limiting beliefs about what they can accomplish. I have many friends, some might be listening, who have struggled with the weight issue their entire life, and I have been able to commiserate with them for a long time but I want to be able to inspire them and help them overcome the issues that they're struggling with. So do I have the self-confidence that I can do this? Yes, absolutely. I've already lost 115 pounds. I never believed I'd be able to do that. So when I think about the idea of losing another 50 pounds, I have no doubt that I can accomplish that. And here's the reality. I can handle the negative stuff that's going to come my way. I can handle the people who criticize the diet that I am on or the way that I exercise or don't exercise. uh, I've started to understand that feedback from people who care about me is good. That's my friend. People who care about me and give me criticism are loving me. That kind of feedback is a friend. The feedback from the trolls out there, that's just fuel for the fire. So if there are people out there who want to criticize me because of the way that I've lost weight, the, the diet I've been on, the exercises that I have or haven't been doing, I can take it. I can handle it because I feel better now than I ever have before. And I want to keep feeling better. Now, here's where I'm really going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to share with you some of the financial goals that uh, I have set for myself in 2020. For some people, they might think these are really huge, and for some people, they might think I'm not shooting big enough. And I can handle whatever other people's opinions are, because I've thought about this a lot. My financial goal in 2020 is to increase my business revenue that I generate from speaking, coaching, and podcasting. I want to increase that business revenue to more than $100,000. And that is a lofty goal for me, okay? My primary passion is speaking, so I need to schedule at least 25 paid speaking events in 2020 that will help make a dent in that goal. And then I'll fill in the rest of that goal with podcasting and with coaching. Now, do I believe I can do it? Well, in full transparency, folks, I'm struggling with this one. But here's the thing. We have to set big goals if we want to accomplish big things. Think about it. Even if I only achieve 50% of that goal. That's an additional $50,000 in business revenue on top of my day job. I think anybody out there would be thrilled if they could add $50,000 to their income on top of their everyday job. I'm gonna talk more about those goals as we get closer to the end of 2019. Uh, During December, I will probably go into great detail on my goals for 2020. The thing I want you to understand is that I don't share these goals with you because I'm trying to brag. It's actually completely the opposite. The only reason that I'm putting this stuff out there to the world is because when I start feeling those limiting beliefs, when doubt starts to creep in, when I start to feel the fear and want to quit, I'll remember that I made these goals public. I'll remember that I have people that I need to stay accountable to. I need to be accountable to my wife. And my family, I have a group of men that I meet with every Friday morning for accountability. And I need to remain accountable to them. My listeners, I know there are some out there. And I want to remain accountable to you. I want to inspire all of you to lead yourselves well. And it is not possible for me to inspire you if I'm not doing it first. So, remember... We need to put on our oxygen mask first. We need to take care of ourselves before we can serve others. And if you do that, if you take care of yourself well, you can care for the other people of value in your life. As we wrap up today's show, I want to thank you again for listening. And remember, I value what you have to say. So if you have any comments or questions, Head on over to our website at johnrbecker.com, and I'll answer any of your questions on next week's show. Also, go on over to iTunes and give us a like and a subscribe so we can build our audience and help even more people. And of course, if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends to tune in. As I wrap up this episode, I want to leave you with one more thought. And this comes from Jim Whittaker, the first American to ever climb to the summit of Mount Everest. Jim Whitaker turned 90 years old this year, and he said this, you can never conquer the mountain, you can only conquer yourself. That's all the time we have today, my friends. Thank you so much again for listening and have a great day.